episode one of the Alcoholics Syndicate Stories podcast. We are a podcast detailing crimes, gangs, syndicates, and conspiracy theories paired with an alcoholic beverage of our choice that we believe best represents the topic we cover in each episode, whether it makes sense or not. This podcast is produced by the overwhelming surplus of Diggity Team. Yours truly, my name is Rob Siambra. Joe Russo. Stephen Garbatini. And for this first episode, we are drinking maple bourbon from Saxton's Distillery. The company is called Sapling, right? Joe, is that, am I getting that right? Sapling, Saxton's, out in Vermont. It's very good. Tastes like maple syrup, basically. If anyone watched the movie Elf, we know that's always good. <laughs> Anyways, our first episode, we're going to be getting into... The art world, talking about how sort of art sales and auctions and whatnot sort of could possibly be a front for money laundering. And there's been extensive research into this, lots of laws being or trying to be produced, put into place to sort of protect against money laundering and, or, you know, prevent it. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just get right into it. Obviously, One of the things making headlines has been that banana duct tape to a wall that sold for, I think, $120,000 from Maurizio Catalan, Catalan, I think. How much do you think the bananas are worth in my fucking kitchen right now? 37 cents a pound. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just in it for the nutrition, so I don't know. (laughs) Rich in potassium, that's all that matters. Gotta get that potassium. But still... He called it that piece, the banana duct tape to a wall, the comedian. And there's been so many, the people who went to see it, like, it's basically been turned into a meme. Like, people took pictures with it, made their own impressions out of it. Um, people were, you know, were saying he was mocking the art world. It was sort of, some people read into it so deep that it was legitimately, like, criticizing how the art world is, like, so, like, unfair in terms of, like, how you have starving artists, up and coming artists, and, like, they don't get they have pennies for their and art. This guy keeps like, a banana to a wall. It makes 120 grand. <laughs> the man is gonna go rotten in four days and he's made $120,000 off of it. People brought bananas to this exhibit too to eat a banana alongside of it. Um, what's his name? David Detuna took the banana off the wall and ate it. Right. And said, right. And they just took a new banana and taped that one to the wall. It's still sold. The idea of a banana sold for $120,000. <laughs> Art is so emotional, it's fucking hilarious. Literally, everyone, like, the whole, the art world, the gaping wealth inequality is like that. First thing I was talking about, others say, it's not to think that deep about the piece. I don't know if the guy said it himself, but, like... If I'm spending $120,000 on something, I can think about it as deep as I want. Exactly. It's a banana and duct tape. (laughs) Right? I mean, like, he's literally going into, it's not that deep, bro, meme territory. And, like... Yeah, should be put in prison. <laughs> it's funny because like we see all the memes like you know us three we're lifelong friends met from playing hockey, we're fans of the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Someone would put a uh, sort of do their own version of it by taping a bottle of Pink Whitney, the New Amsterdam vodka drink that is from that podcast to the wall, and uh, so we're just posting on social media. And of course, it made the rounds. The account, the four personalities from that podcast loved it. Everyone, like, reposted, retweeted, yada, yada, so... Now that's art I can get behind. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to have to do a Pink Whitney episode with uh, with this podcast of ours. Oh, yeah. 
We'll have to find a hockey conspiracy to get into as well, though. Something there. Don't make me start researching now. What is Gary Bettman up to now? <laughs> how, <laughs> what, we, how can we ruin the next CBA? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let's not go into that. We don't need a lockout. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... It's, like Steve's, it's a fucking banana duct tape to a wall. Like, you should be able to interpret it however you want to. But of course, you know... With art, everyone has their own. Yeah, everyone has their own opinion about anything. But with art specifically, it's like everyone, like everything, is open to interpretation. Like you go to the Met, you go to any art museum, you're like you're looking at something. You got someone turn their head to the side, staring at it. It's a banana tucked into a wall. Turn your head to the side. What do you see? It's still, still, still a banana. Still, it's still a banana. Still it's still a banana. <laughs> I all I see is untapped potassium there. That could be. I could be using for my own health. Um, I say that like you go to the gym or something. Shh. <laughs> yeah, I work out. <laughs> I work out. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it's interesting, though, because, like, one of the topics was, like, is it actually, like, criticizing, you know, the art world, like, how people can make money off something as bullshit as that, whereas you have people who study art, they're making their own art, and they can't get. Now, at the best, some of these kids... Yo, young adults, hell, even anyone of all age, they're just getting exposure, like in coffee shops or on the street and whatnot. They're trying to make like you know, double digit amount on like a little painting here and there. It's like it, it, it's kind of interesting when you think about it, like how people I can just, really get so much money for something like that, or even like anything else compared to maybe it's just their name. In the end, doesn't make any sense to me that you have people who you know, go to schools and major in art and you have people who, you know, are critics for years and you have something as simple as a banana tape to a wall that goes for $120,000. Like, how do you, how do you study what somebody else is going to interpret your painting as? Like, it, what you put out, it doesn't, like, there is no study for what somebody else is going to think of your stuff. Right. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school and get these degrees when all it takes is somebody to just walk up, tape a banana to a wall, and walk away with fucking six figures. That makes no sense to me. I agree. I mean, it's... it's it, to play devil's advocate, you could say... The, I mean, with... Uh, you could say the same thing with some other uh, degrees. Of course, you know... Steve specifically, you know, with medical school, you can't really, you know, being a doctor, being a nurse, any of that. Um, but like, I study journalism and stuff like that. There's people they go to college, they just learned, they looked up, they googled AP style, learned how to write, they blogged, do stuff on their own, made careers out of it. You can do it with a lot of different things, you know, just to play devil's advocate you know, with uh, with this specific specific topic with art. But at the same time, you know, it's still a valid point. What does what do kids in college think now that are studying this in art school, doing this? Like, do, is it discouraging them at this point? With it, it, all it has this? to be for sure discouraging, especially the people who do like paintings of realism, and people who do portraits. You know, people who are taking, you know, something that's non-existent and putting their time and detail into something like people who do sculptures. You know, uh, stuff like that. Like. That has to hurt. Like somebody who's putting hours and hours and hours into making something look lifelike. So almost like somebody took a photo and put it up on the wall, except it was made by somebody's hand. That has to hurt somebody who does something like that. And then all you got this guy walks up, but tapes a fucking banana to the wall and walks away with six figures. That's just, that's astronomical. I'm looking at previous artwork that he has 
published, I guess you could say. And in 2007, 2016, he came out with his artwork called America, and it was a toilet made out of 18 karat gold, solid gold, a fully functioning toilet. They was it stolen? They just got stole from the <laughs> so right, here it is. from the Blenheim Palace. Fuck that Six guy. million dollars. Six million dollar toilet. Fuck that Six guy. Six million dollar hole to shit in. <laughs> unreal. Fucking Chris webbing his gold toilets. Could have had one. Wow, that's unreal. Well, we're talking about how sort of basically these big sales sort of have been a front for money laundering. Now, no governments have looked into this. We talked about. Well, they just so don't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense at all. You can slap any number you want on something, and if it looks a certain way to a certain person, they're gonna pay it. it. Just doesn't make any sense, and there's no, there's no tracking. Everything's cash. There's no, <laughs> there's no bills of sale. There's no paper trail. There's no paper trail. Exactly. Like you can, you can wash a large amount of money just by walking up the site to somebody saying, hey, I think your painting's worth $2 million, and then you just magically spend $2 million, and then you go and sell that for three, and you just magically wash all of your money and made money. Right. Like, how did... That just doesn't make sense. Art doesn't make sense. There are people that try to, that aren't buying art that just try to live that way. They may not be millionaires, they just try not to have a paper trail to avoid any, any trouble at all. Or exactly. if they're doing, you know, possibly doing illegal things, but... <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying to get around that, though, because, like, even back in March, I think, it, the U.S. government, the House Financial Services Committee, they released three proposed bills to sort of codify some of these, um, like, just how art is sold. And, right, so you know, they're they're trying to just, they're trying to force a paper trail to sales. It's just like in 2016 when Switzerland and Luxembourg both passed laws that put a cash cap on $135,000 sales. So anything over that had to be forced onto a credit card. So they, they're trying to force paper trails. But I've, it's just a little too late. Like, there's just... That's just At this still. point, yeah, I mean, if people have gotten away with this, truly, like, there's no paper trail. It's very difficult to find them guilty of anything at this point. You can only make them at this point act legally or have them fight a loophole around it whenever comes into play at this point but it's we're talking we're some of the stuff we've read up on is dating back to like 70s 80s even before that you know it's like if you're looking at nearly i mean god we're in 2020 now so almost 50 70 years of this happening it, it, dude it's been so so far beyond that it's just People just wanted to start following it now. Like, art is honestly at this point becoming more popular. Like, more people want to feel that nostalgia. So, you know, people seek out those old paintings. You know, we're living in a, a more culturally, more culturally diverse world. You know, people want to express themselves now. People want to express their creativity. We're getting away from, you know, more of that. Um, you know, everyone's a workhorse kind of mentality and people are starting to do things with their own passions and stuff like that. So art is becoming more and more popular. So things like this, I mean, they're coming more and more into the light as art sales start to rev up and stuff like that. You know, it's, 
it gets paid attention to a lot more when things become more popular in, in the social world. Plus, power of the internet, social media nowadays too. Definitely do, do, power. Do we're even with just graphic design, like people commission Twitter followers and friends, like you know some of the yeah, for popular sure. personalities that don't maybe their talent is just literally telling jokes on Twitter, but they'll have someone else will make a profile picture for them whether they ask to or not, and it's it's just good. People like it and they use it. The people, you know, you have you build up a following. People retweet, share whatever website right. you're on. The age of social media just extrapolates everything. Plus, you have the free time to do it. You know, after work, whatever it is, you know, whatever your main hustle is, then you go and do this at home and throw it up. Again, you throw it up on your social media. People are going right. to see it, whether it's one person, whether it's 1,000 people. You know, sometimes all it takes is just one person to share something in the right place and... You know, it takes off from there. I mean, you you see how easy it is for things to go viral or something so simple. Like, that's all it takes nowadays. Like, it can be anybody doing anything. It just it gets shared by the right person, and then it just blows up all over the world. I mean, it's the power of social media, power of social networking, all of that. It definitely plays a huge role in it now. Especially if you catch the eye of a, a verified account. Oh, easily. Everyone blue loves those fucking blue check marks. Listen to anybody anybody has to say for fucking blue check marks. Still chasing my blue check mark. Forty thousand tweets later. We all are. You're never gonna Aren't we all? You never know. <laughs> the, the the process on Twitter specifically has gotten easier. As long as you can if you can sub the way you submit it, like if you get like three like articles that you're cited in or something like a video, like they'll actually consider it. Be like, all right, maybe he's like popular enough or we should. Nobody writes articles. People might maybe our people write articles about I still write a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not so much. No. no. When was the last time we when was the last time we wrote anything? Man, it's been a while. Remember the WordPress you started like years and years ago? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about the other day. <laughs> Dude, every once in a while, like once a year, I'll go in there and be like, oh, I'm just going to fart around on this. And that was the last time I wrote. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's tough. You, you lose interest. It, it, or you just get busy with life. A lot of things are like that now. A lot of things are just flash in the pan. You see a lot of people do, do pick something up for a short amount of time. It's hard to continue to keep motivation with you know the world keeps opening up with all different things and all different avenues that people can do now you know it doesn't take um it doesn't take an extraordinary person to go do extraordinary things anymore like avenues are opening up to all different kinds of people so like you'll see people pick up you know five things and start working with five different things instead of working with one thing so like it seeing somebody committed to one thing for so long now it's just it's rare that just circles back to this you know you get discouraged you move on to something else, maybe. That's kind of, you know, not, not to fault. That's, that's why it's so hard to succeed in the art world. I mean, there's so many different people all over the world who want their art to be noticed. Like, you can't you can't possibly see everybody, so people get discouraged really fast. Yeah. Especially I mean, by things like people taping a banana to the wall and making $120,000. Like, it's just things like that, man. Like, and then you got people who are making portraits and you got people who, you know, do realism and stuff like that. And like that, that's gotta be painful. I would lose my motivation after that. It doesn't matter how many years I've been putting into it. Like it's, it's hard. Like you put, you know, your life's strength into things that you're working on. And then somebody comes up and steals the spotlight with a fruit. 
Hell, even you, take, you, you look at photography too now. There's like all these cell phones. Just like you don't need a DSLR. Just pick right. up your phone and right. all you adjust. Just, you pick up your iPhone, you take a picture, and then you edit it and you post it. And then that'll get more likes than somebody who literally sat out on a cliff for six hours with their camera on a tripod trying to get the perfect shot. They'll come home and your picture will get more likes than theirs will. Right. And that's what it's about. Impressions, likes, comments, interactions that's all like it post. Is now. Gotta get those right hashtags on there too. <laughs> Hashtag banana on the wall. <laughs> banana on the wall. Pink Whitney on the wall. Need some Pink Whitney in my life. Definitely. Well, we're on a, sort of moving along, I guess. You know, we talked about, you know, I guess a, a topic because I'm not savvy and you know, it, any of this at all, like sort of money laundering, obviously. For like the big thing that stood out to me, like talking about this, like it reminded me of watching the movie like Wolf of Wall Street, like he had his offshore accounts in places like Switzerland. And that's where Dude, Switzerland, a lot of- Europe is such as like, is such a hot pool for, uh, especially like art and sales and stuff like that. Like there's so many, no one really favors generally people don't really favor American temporary art people really like there's a lot of different styles that came out of European art so like that is the hotbed of it so like you get places like Switzerland which already have you know offshore accounts and get places like Luxembourg which literally have banks for people who are legitimate criminals because they don't ask questions they don't question you where you got your 50 million dollars so, like, that's the hotbed, like, European countries and all of their extremely lackadaisical laws and their f- no regulations, no taxing on free ports. Like, free ports, it's, it, it's a concept that blows my mind. They literally, in Switzerland, Luxembourg, and Singapore, have facilities that literally people just store their stuff in. And it's considered in transit because there's no manifest to that building. So all of their, everything they have stored in those buildings are considered in transit so they can't get taxed. That's, that's asinine. Like, let me just go put all of my possessions into this container over here. There's no manifest for this container so you can't see what's in it. It's got more security than Fort Knox. But it's in transit because you don't know it's there. Right. So you can't tax me on something that's in transit. Right. Because, like, you, you know, you take something similar, like, I thought about, like, if we, you, you purchase yourself a classic car, a car to fix up yourself. You know, we have a little storage units all around right. various towns here. You throw it in there for the winter, it's like, right. you're still paying for your storage unit taxes. That car has to be registered at some point. Right. The government's got to know about it. So it's like, you're not getting away with anything. It's not like, it's right. illegal. You're working on a car. You have your own car. You're just putting it away. Right. You still have to register. It you can, Steve knows about this too because of his dad's uh, Corvette. But you have the luxury of having uh, a relative, literally, uh, not even a quarter of a mile. Right, right across the street. Right across the street. You can walk to it. So you're, that's where it's, it's stored year-round, basically. That's where I stash all my art, too. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. But how many bananas are <laughs> How many bananas in that garage? Several pallets of banana boxes. <laughs> Stacked in the back corners of that garage. Just waiting to re-tape a banana. <laughs> lots of I gotta tape refresh too. the banana. Lots of duct tape, too. Don't you worry. 
Duct tape fixes everything, man. Duct tape fixes everything. <laughs> but it's insane, though, because, like, you have storage use. The show is like Storage Wars. Like, it's like you're only going around the U.S. looking at this place. Can you imagine if something like that happens? You, you go to a place like Switzerland, and someone, like, it, it's a case where the owner of the storage unit died, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, it's, it's up for grabs. Auction time. Let's go. Cut it open. But right. it's not the case here because I of mean, the security and all that. And literally, it's basically... The Freeport that was in Geneva was under scrutiny for a long time, and I want to say it was around 2014-2015 that they were concerned that the Freeport in Geneva was housing stolen items and artifacts from Syria. And you're never going to know what's in there because the people who are running it aren't going to say anything. There's pieces of artwork that have been in there for decades that people have no idea that are in there. Like, these places are housing all kinds of items that nobody has any idea about because there's no manifest to it. Museums use them. Governments use them. Like, why is that not an issue? Well, I want to go live in this free zone where nothing else exists and consider me in transit. You can't tax me if, I don't, if I'm not living anywhere because I'm in transit the whole time. It's funny you mention museums because we're, our location is, you know, New Haven County, Connecticut. So we're right near Yale's Peabody Museum. And they're about to close Peabody for renovations and adding new stuff in there, taking some stuff away for, like, I think a year they're taking to mm, yeah. move it's stuff around. Yeah. I think uh, Yale's got some stuff over in Switzerland, maybe. We've got to send our some artifacts somewhere so they can't get taxed and right? save more of their tuition money. Well, it's like, I, I'm sure maybe there's been more arrests since then, but you brought up that the king of Freeports was so the arrested king in, 2015. Of, in 2015. Right, so the king of Freeports was Yves Bouvier. I mean, he was, as you said, called the king of Freeports. So he had this... Um, it was his business model that actually got expanded into being the first actual Freeport. So that's why he's called the King of Freeports. And they were supposed to open up a fourth one in Singapore in 2017, but it actually got suspended for a while. Um, but he was actually arrested for manipulating art prices and money laundering. And he's still under investigation to this day. He is still under investigation from a charge from 2017 and a charge from 2018. One for um, fraud and then one for another manipulating art sales. Like, I, you, you're going to let a criminal create... Like, the, they're going after him for tax evasion. What did you think was going to happen? He created the free ports. Like, I don't understand how you just let a man who you're investigating for all of these crimes just create the free ports. A place where we knew they weren't going to tax them. And then you're trying to hit him for tax fraud. Like, <laughs> what? That blows my mind. It's funny because you think about, I feel like this stuff could just never happen here in America, like no one can get away with that. The other countries, great. Every country operates so differently. Like here, you have to use like the black market and fences. Like you don't really have to do that in Europe. Like they just work through their free ports. Like yeah, it still exists over there, but it's a hundred percent easier to do that in Europe than it is here. I mean, you got. Um, like a white collar units of the FBI looking at every kind of art sale, forgeries, things that are stolen from all over the world that make their way into the country and get sold in the black market. 
You, that you can't even money launder through that because you know you're using dirty cash to buy a dirty item. What are you gonna say? Oh, I'm gonna take my hard-earned money and buy this stolen piece and put it on record that I just bought a stolen piece. It doesn't matter. Right. You're, not, you're not laundering money. You're just being an asshole. Hell, I'll give you an example. When I was trying to, I was looking into cars a few years ago before I got my current car, and I was gonna go through this. I don't know. If it's I don't know. If we're gonna jump to any legal problems, so I'm not gonna mention the car brand name. But anyways. The cars, like, I was in this program, like, you know, the car, I was going to sign to an agreement to lease a car for three years. Right. And it was a brand new car, and the shipment got held up in, I think, Baltimore, that port where they were coming in, literally for, like, two and a half weeks, because the U.S. government was thought it was a sketchy shipment or whatever, and they were holding it up for so long where I finally just said, well, look, I need to get rid of my crappy little crap box here because you can't <laughs> take me anywhere anymore. So that's why I went with my current car. And it took a while. Like, I still looked at, like, the forms for this program, you know, people complaining still of the delay, and even the people at the dealership emailed me a couple times. They said, hey, you know, we get why you backed out. We're sorry this happens. You know, if you ever want to get a car through us, let us know because we don't want to, we don't want you to walk away in your customer thinking it was our issue but I'm just like you know I get it's not you it's the company as a whole it's not your dealership but in the end it's just like it's kind of ridiculous like but how secure the US government is trying to keep everything here I mean obviously there's a lot more factors to go into it that we could talk about but in the end it's like so two weeks alone it's kind of insane there's even um I mean, you mentioned, uh, like, China and their sort of relaxed laws as well. Right, so, like... Compared to Switzerland. China doesn't have any regulations on their sales of art. So their their free port that they have in... um, Hang on one. The free port in Singapore right now, like, people are using that instead of using um, Geneva or Luxembourg just because uh, you know, a few years ago, you had the laws that Switzerland and Luxembourg introduced. So they're like, well, if I have to spend over $135,000 on a sale, like, then it has to be credit. So, like, they're trying to force a paper trail. You don't get that in China. You can literally do whatever you want. Like you just store their stuff or store your stuff in their free port and you can all of your sales inside the free port are private and anonymous because there's no manifest. You don't have to report anything. It it just it blows my mind that people are allowed to get away with this. And it's the easiest way to wash millions and millions of dollars. I mean you look at the list of most expensive paintings and like you think about like, even if a country, think about this, like if a, if a whole ass government needed to wash $400 million, right? Do you think everybody's fucking nice? No, there's countries that do dirty shit. We, we get it. If you think a, a, a whole country needed to wash $400 million, they can literally go buy a painting that's worth $469 million. Like people can wash any amount of money that they want. And the person that's selling it can dictate any price that they want. If they know somebody wants it, they know somebody's interested in it. It doesn't matter what the painting looks like. It doesn't matter what the painting's about. They can literally change the price of whatever they want. So you can take a painting that costs somebody $35 to make. They can sell it to whoever they want 
for a million dollars just because they say that, hey, this is worth a million dollars. And somebody who just magically needs to wash a million dollars is going to pay a million dollars for it. And then it's going to be on record that they paid a million dollars for it. And then they go sell it for two. Not only did they wash their money, they also gained money. Like, it's it's just fucked up. And you, you know, like, everybody can have their hand in this. You can have countries that have their hands in this. Governments, companies that are doing illegal things to make deals with whoever they want to build on whatever land they want and expand to do whatever they want to continue polluting without having regulations imposed on them. You know these people make these backdoor deals with governments all the time. They pay people off all the time. People get money, they get paid off, and this is how they wash it. It's the easiest way to take a very large sum of money and make it look like all you did was sell a piece of art. It's not even in art either. It happens with a bunch of different things. I mean... But this is art is the easiest way to, it is the to swap way. a large amount of money. Any number that you want to wash, you can just dictate it. It's totally up to your own calling of how much money you want to wash at that one time. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. Can, there's a painting by Leonardo da Vinci called Salvatore Mundi that is worth $469.7 million. That's almost $500 million for one work of art. That blows my mind. That brings it oh. right back to the banana. That, that he sold three of them, right? 120, 120, 150. <laughs> $400,000 for bananas that you can buy for a buck. Duct tape you can get for what? My bananas that are Nothing. in my kitchen cost me less than that. Like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. But, I- like, hooray to these people that have made these works of art, but also at the same time, there's some people that really didn't make out on this. No, they didn't. They're, like, not, they're not getting a commission. They they get their commission and then it gets marked up by the person. Right. So like Robert and Ethel Skull were selling paintings for 24 times what they paid for it in 1973. Like you look at their total sales, it was 2.2 million dollars the night that they did that. Like they sold 50 paintings for a total of 2.2 million dollars. But you look at what they paid for some of them: 900 dollars, 750 dollars. One of them they paid ten thousand for that they got two hundred and forty thousand dollars back from. Twenty four times what they paid for it. You just insanity. dictate whatever you want, and someone's gonna pay, and all it looks like is you just sold some art. And any money you looks like it would have had blood on it, it's now clean. You would do before this, uh, doing the research for this today, like. I like obviously you see the news reports when a painting sells, a sculpture sells. Right. It's like you just you brush out. It's like oh, that's cool. That's a lot of money, but it sounds about right. But then it's like you do this research. It's like oh, that right. makes more sense. Give me the statue of David for five bucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, it's it it's really crazy, is insane. It's, it's crazy. so crazy. Like there's paintings on here that are worth two hundred twenty-seven million dollars, two hundred eighty-four million dollars, three hundred twenty-four million dollars. It's just crazy. $172 million. Like $161 million. Like these these paintings. And you're, you're, you're thinking about something that's, you know, three feet by five feet at the most sometimes. And you're paying hundreds of millions of dollars. It's crazy. And it's just money that changes hands and no one questions why. Like no one questions why. But they're so still so protective of all this art. Like for example, like I went to uh, I went to the Met once when I was in college for a class assignment. Literally, like walking in, like jackets off, 
backpacks need to be strapped to the front side of you, not your back. And like, you can't put it, place anything on the ground. If you're gonna stumble on the bench, it's like you need to have your backpack still in front of you. Like they're so right. careful to like, make sure nothing, like absolutely nothing, gets touched, ruined, anything. Right. So like you know the few times or when yeah the couple times I've gone to DC, you gotta try to go in any of those museums, man. They check every inch of your backpack. They got through metal detectors. Like there's reasons for it and stuff. So here's the fun one for you: the scream. Right? Yeah. What do you think that's yeah. worth? Couple million. I I go. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. I'd say at least one billion. So you're going one billion. With a B. <laughs> With a B. You picked a B. Ooh. I want to go in your art world. <laughs> um, and right. Steve says a couple million, right? A hundred and thirty-three million dollars. That's insanity. For a painting. Made in 1895. It was sold May 2nd, 2012 by Peter Olson. And it was sold to... Leon Black. It was sold in Sotheby's in New York. And honestly, man, that was in 2012. I wouldn't be surprised if that changed hands already. I'm sure it has. It has. I wouldn't be surprised if that changed hands and no one knows about it. Like, there's so many of these paintings on here that... The last time uh, a Van Gogh was sold, um, I'm just looking at one of these, a portrait of Joseph uh, Rulin. The last time that was sold was August 1st, 1989. A, I guarantee you it's been stolen at least once. B, I guarantee you that's been sold already. Uh, I lied. That one's actually in the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Never mind. On that one. (laughs) My bad. Is, bad. Is but that's, it's there still, well, that still was sold for $123.8 million. That's insane. And that was bought by the Museum of Modern Art in New York. And half, sometimes they just take donations for periods of time, some of these museums. It's not like they're buying these pieces. Sometimes people will actually Ooh. donate their work. It was sold to us from Zurich. That had to have been us washing some money, I guarantee you. Capital, so the shit like the shit like that. Yeah, it's it was sold by a private collection in Zurich to the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Wow, for 123 million. Well, I guess it depends on which museum Ooh. can afford it. So this Van Gogh was sold in 1987 by John Whitney Payson, son of Joan Whitney Payson, to Alan Bond in the Sotheby's of New York. It was sold in 87 for $121 million. That was sold in 1987. Before the massive inflation that we have now. 1987. Mm-hmm. That was worth $121 million. That's insane. That's easily 150 now. It's just, it, it seems like... $274 million in 2020 cash. It's more... The inflation rate. Holy shit. I was only adding 30 million. Pardon me. That added like 120. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's f- asinine. 
It's still going up to this day, obviously. So it's a hundred percent. Like, dude, it's such an easy way to wash such a large amount of money, and like governments trade paintings, they trade money. You're doing backdoor deals. Like, hey, we'll put this in one of your museums if you just ignore this real quick. Like, you know that backdoor shit's going on, and it's fucked up. Like, you got to think about all the fucked up shit that goes on in this world. All right. Like, this is just the easiest way to wash out hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in an hour. Like, you, these auctions are, A, silent auctions, and they don't even send, it's not even the person writing it. It's even in the room. They They send send runners so you don't know who they are. Yep. Dude, it's so fucked up. Or they're they're at home, and they're on the phone. Right. All these private sellings, man. Like, how does no one see an issue with this? Why? I don't understand why, uh, like, these things are allowed to be private sellings. Let me just wash $200 million on a Friday night. Right. Let me go murder somebody else and make another 400 and go buy that <laughs> fucking Da Vinci. I guess I'll be the one to cut off my ear and paint something and hope it sells for a decent amount. <laughs> All right, Pablo Picasso. I mean, it's still just, it's insane how, how deep this goes, how long it's been going on. And, you know, we were talking about the skulls before, like that alone just blows my mind. What happening way back then? I mean, we're talking the 70s, you know, for me, 70s, oh, it's 30 years, now we're going on 50 years ago. Right, 50 years years ago, ago, they were selling paintings that they bought for $900 for over $8,000. Like, (laughs) they were just, they were literally, one of the artists actually attacked them after one of their auctions because all he paid that man was $750 and he sold his painting for over $8,000 and that artist saw none of it. Like that, that's another huge painful mark on this artwork. Right. Like these artists are putting all their time and energy into this and you know, depending on what they're painting with, they could be spending hundreds of dollars on materials because a lot of these materials really aren't cheap. Oh, right. I mean, Especially if they're making, like there's canvases and you know certain types of paints that are like specifically man-made that cost hundreds of oh, dollars yeah. to get. Yep. So like there's artists that are making paintings. Like I understand. Like there's sometimes that material cost can be in the upwards of a thousand dollars. Yep. And they're putting their time and effort into it. If it's your and full they're time, not seeing right, and they're not seeing any of that comeback. If it's your full time gig, you need the best right. materials out there. So somebody can buy their their painting for bottom dollar, yep. and then turn around and sell it for top dollar, and that artist gets none of that. They're that still suffering. Still they're on the red, yeah. Right, that artist is still in the negatives. They're still struggling. They're like, well, I had to drop the price of my painting because it wasn't selling. And they finally sells. They get a little bit of their money back for it. And then somebody goes and sells it for $200 million. Mm-hmm. It's fucking stupid. And there's some of these artists, too. You know, they, of course, have read up on this. They're somewhat experienced enough to know that they're going to... Or at least they'll just... They're trying to avoid this, so they'll go out and try and do it themselves. They know they're not going to probably get six figures, but they're still going to try to submit theirs to an auction or some museum or, you know, just an, an opening event of any place, try to get some attention and maybe comes along someone like the Skulls, but maybe they're not as, uh, whatever the opposite of generous is, you know, they, they, they might actually pay a decent amount and maybe they could turn it around or they can get into agreement. We could turn this around for so you. We've seen, we've seen art sell for a lot of money right off the rip, right? So like, not to keep hating on the banana, 
But but the banana again. Let's keep hating on the banana. Right. Let's keep hating on the banana. I'm not. But at this this one's not even hating on it. Right. So this man made an original piece of artwork. However, whatever we feel about this piece of artwork, that man made his artwork, and he made a hundred and twenty thousand dollars on one of them. So like, it's possible to make money on original work it's just so uncommon now especially with so many artists all over the world so doing so many different things and we know from our own lives that art is what the person standing in front of it sees it doesn't necessarily mean anything what you meant when you painted it like you see a lot of these artist interviews and you can see these critics asking questions like hey what did you mean when you painted this and sometimes they'll tell you it was a flat out mistake like, hey, I accidentally got these two uh, these two blotches of red on this whole big canvas of black. They're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, I was painting that painting over there, and I guess I splashed on this one. And then you got these critics going over the deep end. Well, it's expressionism, and it means this, and it means that. It means whatever it means to the person standing in front of it. What you meant when you painted something has absolutely no idea. If I don't, if you didn't tell me, how am I supposed to know what you were thinking when you, you painted it? Now. That's the whole mystery behind it. Right. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I am very fascinated by art and all different kinds of you know sculptures and paintings and what it takes to create textures and stuff like that. Like it's a very fascinating, you know, portion of the world, especially with all the cultures and you know how people express themselves. Like it's very, very interesting and it's very, very in depth. But it can be easily taken a whole different direction. By anyone. It's like music. Like, you could have had a critic that's been doing it for 30 years. It doesn't matter how many paintings they've looked at. Every time they look at a painting, they're still going to feel how they feel about that painting. And whoever's making their artwork has to try to guess what 50 million other people are going to say to it. That's tough. Same thing with music. You put a song out there, it means what you mean. But in the end, someone else can interpret it a completely different way. And there are artists, you know, they're literally just going to say... You guys interpret it how you want to. Some artists will share, I wrote this about this thing. Right. I did this because of that, but you interpret it as this. That's the idea because it's now. But it, the song, you bought it, you streamed it, whatever. It belongs to yep. you. However it makes you feel, that's what it means to you. That's a special connection you have. Same thing with art. You know, literally. I'm not a big, I appreciate art. You know, there was, when I had to go to the Met for that that homework assignment, basically, you know, I admired what I was required to see. There were some things I wasn't supposed to, it will not, you know, it's not like they restrict, I was restricted from seeing it. It's like passing by stuff that wasn't part of the assignment. It's like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I, you know, I like want to take this in for a minute, It's you know? a fascinating place yeah. to be. Like, I've been to the Met. Um, you know, I'm not an art critic. I don't, I you know. I down now. I've never been to the Met. <laughs> It, it really, it truly is a very, it's a very enlightening place to be. It is. Not only it's just really the cool. artwork, like they have, it's like a museum, there's art, there's all different kinds of things in there. There's a lot of, um, you know, Egyptian culture mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They have like whole, like walls taken out of Egyptian tombs and yep. stuff like that. So like, that's a very enlightening experience being to the men. Like there's a lot of very interesting and in-depth things in there but at the same token you know what it means to you isn't necessarily what it means to me and it it isn't what it means to steve like it's it's a whole different world every person that looks at all the millions and millions of people that walk through those halls and look at those paintings it means something different to everybody else in reality too the, the, the nice thing about a lot of these like major art museums like the met for example in reality 
you know, they you, you, there's no ticket price. It's just a donation. In reality, you can drop a penny in and you're good. Obviously, you're more than likely not going to, but it's not like but you, to get in there, you're going to drop like 500 bucks, exactly. whatever it is. It's literally just, you could literally drop the thing. When I went, I gave him, I gave him like 40, 50 bucks. You know, it's like, it's whatever you want. You go in, you have that. If you were to go into the Met, it could take an entire day to see every single thing in there. Dude, easily. Um, the last time I went, my fiance and I, we went, we were there. For easily six hours, right? And we still didn't see half the sure things. Yeah, like, and there's so many things that you know you you generally have to take time to like look at things, and you know what what I see isn't what she sees, but you know we it's still you know art starts that conversation of what do you see, what do you feel, and obviously you can see a lot more of our generation and uh, all future generations starting to get more into that. What do you see? What do you feel? you know kind of mentality you know people want to have that conversation now which is which is fine but it opens up this nasty door to what do you see what do you feel so you can take something that whoever owns it at the time can make whatever they want it to be so like you open up this nasty door to this painting that was worth a hundred thousand dollars you know ten years ago and somebody sells it for two million dollars because they're preying on this what do you see what do you feel like it feels different to everybody else they're preying on people's hunger for certain types of artwork and it's just an easy way to say hey I acquired this painting I'm going to sell it for this much here's all my dirty money and gone they're literally preying on people's emotions and expressions and like it's honestly kind of shitty because like the art world is extremely interesting like the all different walks of people like there's some artists that like definitely you know, people have those. You know, people always ask you, you know, who would you like to have dinner with, past or present? Oh, hell yeah, you, I want to sit next to Vincent Van Gogh. Like, I want to sit next to the people who everyone said were crazy, and they have these asinine paintings of things that they felt at the time. Like, I want to sit next to that person, ask them what the fuck was going on in their head. Like, it starts those kinds of conversations, but then you get the nasty people of the world that prey on that shit. It just opens that door wide open to say, hey, well, this is how I feel about this. This is what I think this is worth. And all they're doing is they're fucking washing their money. We're cluing in on art, but obviously, you know, it goes without saying, it's everywhere. It's in art. It's in sports. It's in the music industry. It's, it's in everything. It's in everything. It's in everything. I mean, everything is money now. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's what half, like, executives and all these higher-ups, that's what they see. Dollar signs come to their eyes, literally, like Mr. Krabs. It's literally their eyes just roll back from pupils. Literally. That's how it is. One millionth dollar. (laughs) So I'm reading another thing about these Freeports. So the Freeport that's in Switzerland in 2015, it was estimated that there was $100 billion of U.S. money in art in their Freeport. Just sitting in there. Just sitting there, a hundred billion dollars worth of art sitting in one place. Steve, you and I watched Breaking Bad. Remember when Huel and Bill Burr's character was it Kubi or something yeah. like that? They laid they a pile of money. Big pile yeah. of money. <laughs> was that how much? Did they even say how much that was? The, I don't think they somebody did. on Reddit I saw did the math. I'll see if I can find it, but that's what I see. Like when you say the art, Joe, like I'm right. thinking, like turn it into a pile of money on a uh, on a pallet. What is it? What right. does that look like? 
That's insane just to think about. Estimates put it between 15 and 80 million dollars. Okay. Depending on the denomination of the money in there. So, a lot of cash. Because they both laid on it, so you really couldn't see what it was. Yeah, That's a lot of bills. And the guy that plays Huel, I forget his name, but he's a comedian too. He's he's a pretty big guy. So... (laughs) But still, it's it, again, yeah, you know, it just goes, it, it echoes the sentiment. Like, you, you see paintings, you, uh, you know, some people see literally a palette with money on it. Shrink wrapped, sets it go, ship it. It's wild, and you imagine how much this stuff gets stolen from each other. Like, there's pieces, like, after it keeps getting sold, keeps getting sold, keeps getting sold. Like, you see these pieces that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, not only are people paying for that, People are stealing that shit from each other, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, people go on, like, serious lengths to steal paintings from each other. And it's it's a big fucking deal, man. Like, it's a big deal. There's literally, there's task force in the FBI dedicated to this. <laughs> like, for money laundering and for art theft and shit like that. Well, like, we, like it's it's legitimately crazy. To, like all these things that are circulating in the black market, like people are actively trying to find it because they just the governments are deciding that all the all the artwork decides it belongs in museums. And listen, don't get me wrong, like it does. But if you fair and square own some artwork, leave it alone. You're right. Like use especially like. Um, like Japanese artwork so you'll see down at the art museum if you've ever been down there like you have like the Japanese artwork and stuff like that so people families will get um, you know a canvas made for their house and all have uh, their family crest on it so the first family and it can keep getting sold and keep getting passed on family to family but the first family that ever owned it their crest is actually a part of the painting like Unless somebody goes out of their way to donate something like that to a museum, like, leave that shit alone, man. Yeah. Like, just leave that alone. Like, there's... I get it. Artwork belongs to museums, and I'm not I'm not adverse to that. But, like, man, these people are going to lengths to keep the shit out of museums. Yeah. Like, they well, just... They, they think they hold all the cards. Like, people go and steal artwork just so they can sell it. Like, that's just an easy way to make $50 million just because I stole a canvas that's 8 by 11 <laughs> now you just easily just go make fifty million dollars. Like, right. You're probably gonna get caught. But they made fun of that too. And um, did you watch Psych? Yeah. yeah they yeah, had yeah. um, what was his name? It was a recurring character. Like he was an art thief. Mm. Did all this, that, the other thing, and then finally, like he was like a British like government official or spy yeah. or something. Like they talked about that. He stole. He allegedly stole art from somewhere in Canada, somewhere oh, in the States, and then they went over, I think, to Switzerland, actually, one episode, too, for yeah. that, too. They talked about that. There was a Family Guy episode back during their first run in, like, the late 90s where Chris was an artist for, like, a five, you know, block of five minutes because of his painting he made for Peter. They put in a, his bus window of his car, some guy passed by and automatically made Chris an artist. You know, like that. It's, but it's incredible. It's like you, someone sees it, Puts the puts the price tag on it. Someone's gonna want it. Someone's gonna want this, that, the other thing. Someone's gonna try to steal this. And we're going back to like donating to to museums, right. like and like like this, for instance, right? So as if the Rockefellers needed any more fucking money, right? The Rockefellers sold a painting in two thousand and eighteen by Pablo Picasso, young girl with a flower and basket, for hundred and seventeen million dollars. I remember that headline. Yep, that's big. It was sold at the Christie's auction in New York. Yep. To an unidentified buyer. 
Come on. Open and the you phone. know the Rockefellers have had their hands on some dirty shit. Come yeah. on. Oh, absolutely. The, like, the amount of, like that. The you amount of headlines. Like, companies like this, it was David and Peggy Rockefeller. You don't fucking need any more money. You don't need that $117 million. Come on. But at that point, then, then, it, then it goes into, these people are so wealthy. What are they actually doing with their days? Are they bored? And this is just a hobby to them. Some, it's, it's some, some, there's there's some people right? that wholeheartedly yeah. that's a hobby. Like you look at uh, Jay Leno. Yeah, exactly. His hobby with his garage. His cars, yeah. If I have that much money, fuck yeah. Because I know that I want. Very jealous of that. I won't lie. Hell yeah. But like, I understand that there's people that have this hobby, but it's so corrupted with people that are just scumbags. Right. Oh, absolutely. And there's just scumbags everywhere. Like, I'm that fucking nut that's always like, ah, there's no way that this government's totally fucking clean. Like, I watch way too much Blacklist to believe that any government's clean every show. It's a fantastic show, but you have to, like, at some point it has to click in your mind that that shit happens. There's no way that that shit doesn't happen. And if you think that this money is controlled by governments and not just straight money, you're fucking wrong. It's run by corporations and money. And it's as simple as that. It's whoever has the most money makes all the decisions. And it's who can pay off who, who can get who murdered. It, it's just stupid shit like that. So all the good things that we see, it, we, no one wants to pay attention to the bad things. So, like, yeah, it's great that people do this, like, as a hobby and, like, all the power to them. Like, I want to walk through a hall of paintings that I have, like, $200 million worth of paintings. That's fucking great. But there's no need for it. <laughs> no. And the people that are fucking assholes are ruining it for everybody else. So, like, every time there's somebody that has, you know, some high-value paintings, they get scrutinized and they get looked at. Like, hey, why do you need that? Why did you buy that? Or is this a bastard mask off the comedian? Why? And listen. Why will you do that? <laughs> listen, no one's... Like, I don't mind that art gets sold but like you can't keep having these private sales and no. shit like that this totally undocumented no paper trail like hot and again that's why the governments are right. trying to step right. in now they right. need to they there's got to be a way they're going to find a way to try to put an end to it but i feel like it, in the end someone because especially with the amount of money these people have that are organizing and buying all this art they're going to hire some lawyer to find another loophole. And I feel like oh, it's absolutely. just going to continue years and years. Yeah, Eventually, it's been going on for, it, it's, it's, it's been going on for years. It's right. been hundreds going on for so many years. Hundreds They're never going to put an end to it. They're never going to put an end to no. it. It's just, it's the easiest way to move large amounts of money. And right now, no one asks any fucking questions. Right. Like, even, like, yeah, cool. They set a limit in um, in Luxembourg and Switzerland that anything over $135,000 has to be put on credit so there's a paper trail. That's still $135,000. That's not, I mean, to us, that's not pocket change. Like, I get it to corporations that's pocket change and shit like that, but that's still a large amount of money. So people, even the low-level money launderers and people who are trying to wash out 50 grand can go do something like that. Yeah. You're still aiding all these people who are making hundreds of thousand dollars a year. Like, that's still easy livable money. That's still easily passed onable money. Things in this life, if you live it correctly, don't cost you $10 million. If you live like a psychopath and decide you want to blow all your money on shit, then obviously you can have whatever kind of lifestyle you want. But if you, like, there's people that hoard hundreds of thousands of dollars that can get away underneath these markers with cash sale paintings, still launder lower amounts of money because they don't have to fucking worry about it because they're not going to go bankrupt if they don't sell their fucking painting. 
because they know how to fucking live their life. Exactly. I mean, stop laundering money, but still, you get the point. <laughs> Please, you look at, um, I mean, this is probably another topic for another another episode, but like you even look at some of the the CEOs and billionaires in America alone, it's like maybe they're not inv- involved with art, but like there's somehow avoiding their companies or avoiding taxes. Oh, it's easily. Like, that's another topic for another day, but right. this is something si- similar enough to the point where it's just like right. they, they know what they're doing. Oh, like, they're, they could they're, absolutely dip their toes into the art right, game and do all this other exports stuff. exports and shit like that and then paying off government officials to look the other way when they do something. Buying newspapers, so websites, right. news they're, organizations, they're totally this, that, the other thing. Every company that has the money to do so can create its own narrative, right? So... To go back to what I was saying before, like, about the blacklist, like, there was a whole episode about social media terrorism. Yep. Like, people can easily pay to have viral, you know, headlines created to tank something. So, like, you can control the stock market with social media. And it absolutely is true to this day. You can get... Right. You can control anything with social media. But just as an example, you can control the stock market with social media. You can... A false headline can come out. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. In the first 25 minutes, it doesn't matter if it's true or false. Your stock's still going to tank. Exactly. Because someone's still going to see the headline and bail. And once that, once people start going down, everybody's selling. Right. And then out, everyone starts seeing it drop. Whether the headline's true or not, once everybody starts seeing it drop, everybody starts selling. They're like, well, I don't want this to fall below what I pay for it, so I'm going to sell now, too. Exactly. So, like, it's just social media can control everything. Literally everything. It's... Art too. You can easily make something popular just by getting it to the right people in the front of the right faces and get it shared the right amount of times and get it in front of the right amount of people. Literally going viral. Literally. Like literally. Anyone. Literally right. going viral. Anyone right. sees it. Literally. We talked about it before. The, the blue check mark sees it. The one blue check mark you need to see it. One retweet. Right. Go. Actually, the way Twitter's set up now too, if you don't change your settings, even just a favorite or this person follows this person. It appears on your timeline. There it is. Dude, all the time in my timeline, all I see is like people that I follow. Like, oh, I'm seeing tweets of people that I have no idea who they are. And then all Something I'm seeing from at three the top days of ago. it. Right. And all I'm seeing at the top of it is, um, you know, such and such follows this person. And then it's a tweet. It's almost like people are getting sponsored. They don't need a blue check mark anymore. Like tweets are just showing up. And all you still over get the place. sponsored tweets on top like, of it. Like you get the sponsored tweets. You get the, well, people you follow are follow this person like they didn't even like it they didn't retweet it why exactly. do I need to see it like that's like, when, if I don't follow and when them, those changes started that's when it's just like it, but that's not a retweet that's why is it on the timeline right. I want this it's person so, retweeted this that's what I'm signed up for right it even likes now like now I gotta look at everything everybody but then, likes everything everybody retweets then you take it to account well it's still free so they can technically do whatever the hell they want which is fine yeah like, exactly in the end it's just like I realize like they're operating within their limits yeah. I get that but, I mean, like, like they're totally data mining. Right. Right. But yeah, that's like I'm tired of talking about stuff and then going on Facebook and I'm like, oh, this is what you were talking about. Like, that's a little creepy, guys. Can we knock it off? And that's why I don't use Facebook. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's on everything. It uh, goes on Instagram. It goes on Twitter. It goes on Facebook. No, it goes everywhere. Huh, I'm a thirsty you. sponsored ad. Gatorade. It's like, ah, uh, crap. I'm already out anyway. Let's stop the gas <laughs> station. <laughs> well, I mean, we covered a lot. And still, we we already branched off on some topics towards the end for future episodes. <laughs> There's a lot to be discussed. Um, I don't know. Any final thoughts from you guys? I feel like I'm spent on this. But I think I, we said it all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we covered everything well, we needed to pull. 
Yeah, I agree. We will. Uh, we're going to try to pump out two episodes a month to start with this podcast on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Syndicate Pod, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Syndicate Story. We get Steve verified. Should we do that? <laughs> Let's that try can, to get that's Steve That's literally the first thing. We'll make, we'll make it go funny. Just make some money off it. <laughs> Should I plug the handle? Do you want the public to know? At Life as Otis. L-I-F-E-A-S-O-T-I-S. That's Steve. Follow me. At Rob Siambra. R-O-B-C-I-A-M-B-R-A on Twitter. I do other stuff, including hockey broadcasting. There's going to be at least one sports episode, related episode of this podcast. Uh, Again, follow us on social. Subscribe when this appears on iTunes and Spotify and on SoundCloud. Uh, We'll see you again in probably two weeks. Glad whoever listens to this is listening to this. This, once again, has been a production of the overwhelming surplus of Diggity Tea.